0: Um, oh, there we are. I'm like, all of a sudden, my voice sounds different. So, anyway, um, glad that you are here, and um, I was just thinking, um, we're ex- exploring what this idea means to be to live a, a fruitful life, or a fruit-filled life, as the case may be. And uh, before I get rolling, though, I want to talk a little bit about next week, uh, because next week, um, we are, we're going to have a little party. Is that okay? Can we have a party? Is that fine? Uh, we uh, <laughs> we uh, launched weekly services at Thrive Church a year ago on the first weekend of October, and we've grown considerably. Uh, we got a lot of people out today. It just happens to be that way, but um, we've grown considerably over the last year, and uh, so the staff were like, yeah, let's throw a little party because we always look for excuses to have parties. So, um, because we like them. So next week would be a great time if you've got some friends who are looking for church or if you know some people that, you know, are kind of like on the fence about church. It'd be a great time to invite them Uh, because it'd be kind of lighthearted, and there's going to be some fun stuff going on. And treats, you know, if nothing else, drag them in for the treats and and have them stay for the service. So uh, it'll be a good time. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it. Uh, I get to see some of the decorations that are in in, in store. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're calling it cultivate because um, what we our kind of our fundamental conviction here is the fact that uh, the church doesn't or people don't change people. only the Holy Spirit can. So all we can do is cultivate the soil so that other people can grow. And, and we've spent a year cultivating and we're starting to see some, some real signs of life and growth and we're excited about it. But ultimately, it's not just about growing in numbers. We want to see fruit. We want to actually see God's uh, work inside of the people who call Thrive Church home, and uh, and that's really what this this whole series has has been about. And there's this notion that we find in the text over and over again that God wants His people to produce certain types of fruit, right? Uh, and we talked a little bit about uh, a little bit about that last week. But consider here the words of Jesus. Here here it is. Um, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick, pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's in Luke chapter 6 that we find that. Trees are recognized by their fruit. Now, here's an interesting thing, though. Tucked in this verse is a truth that we must acknowledge. And, And here's what it is. Very simply, everyone produces fruit. Some kind of fruit. Everybody does. Either it's good fruit or it's bad fruit and you recognize but well, now how many of you know some people who got some bad fruit come on be honest of course you do. no I don't know anybody like that liar liar pants on fire about uh, a week or so ago I was talking to a young lady um, who was dating a young man and um, uh, every time I saw her she had this kind of like down look on her face and every time I asked her I'm like why why are you are you, are you okay yeah I'm fine and I swear the source of that downcast face was always boyfriend. Always boyfriend. And it finally dawned on me, and I'm like, um, there's some bad fruit here. <laughs> you know, and if you're feeling that way, mm, who are you hanging out with, you know, kind of a thing. Came into to work about a week ago, I guess, and she's all happy. I'm like, hi, what what's going on? Broke up with boyfriend this weekend. <laughs> what do you know? bad trees produce bad fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that they're a bad person and they're beyond redemption. That's not what I'm saying at all, but if you're feeling a certain way or if you're experiencing something, you might want to examine the fruits, just, just a thought. But we all know people who are like that, and, and we can even see it in our own lives. I know sometimes I wake up in the morning, and I'm a little bit grumpy, I'm producing some bad fruit, and guess what? I got a horrible day wife's yelling at me, the kids are you know, sassing back, and it's like, surprise, surprise, what kind of fruit are you producing? And, and, and we all do that. Every person produces some kind of fruit, and the question then becomes, what kind of fruit are you consistently producing? And here's a hint. Are you ready for the hint? Here it is. <laughs> Check your mouth. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Right? And, and, and by the way, that verse isn't talking about cussing. Now it might be, but it's not just about cussing. Okay, let's. I, I, we we have to we have to come to grips with this if we're going to be um, good, solid, Bible believing, Jesus following Christians. It's not just about the types of words, although it could be. But that's not the whole thing. It's the content. Of those words. It's the content that comes out. How many of you know somebody who just everything is negative, constantly negative, or complaining, or teasing, which is incredibly destructive? Sarcasm? <laughs> Blame, right? The content of those messages, and we've all experienced this, and there's just some people are like, I don't know if I want to be around them, and you can't really put your finger on why. Well, sometimes it's the fruit, and the fruit is is evident by what's coming out of the mouth. Does that make sense? There's this there's this notion um, here in the text that we're producing fruit, and if you want to really understand what the fruit is, what's coming out of their mouth. And there's some people who are just naturally encouragers, and you want to be around them, and, um, and just as a kind of a diagnostic tool. Think about that. And God is looking for good fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, remember? Things that edify people, things that support people, things that encourage other people, those are the types of fruit that God is looking for uh, to, to be with us. But there's a condition to that fruit, and you see it right here. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is Galatians 5, verse 25, right at the end of that list. And so, if you want the fruit of the Spirit, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, that makes perfect sense. Now, what's really interesting is this idea of keeping in step with the Spirit, it's a military term in Greek, and it means basically marching in order. Marching in in order. Um, But interestingly enough, it also has this, carries with it this idea of prosperity, which I thought was really interesting, to be in step, to be moving forward, to be gaining gaining ground. So the question becomes for all of us, how, how might we produce good fruit? How might we stay in step with the Spirit? How might we do this? And that's a great, great question because the last thing that we need as a body is another just sermon. Did you just say that? Yeah. You don't need another sermon? You gotta take the sermon and start living them out. Right? We gotta read what we find in the text, absorb it, and actually live it out. That's what we need. And so we have to ask these questions, how? How do we do this? How do we go about doing this? Unfortunately, we get some help from Jesus. Can you imagine? We get some help from Jesus. And so I invite you to turn with me to the, to the gospel called John. Fourth book of the New Testament, John chapter 15. John 15. Now, uh, let me just briefly kind of give you a, a little bit of background. We're going to spend some time, considerable amount of time here. In John chapter 15, This is towards the end of his book, but this is the the scene that that John is writing about. It's the last time Jesus is spending with his disciples before his arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion. And evidently, this made an enormous impact on John. Now, there's some evidence to suggest that John was the youngest of all the disciples, probably between the age of 13 and 16 at this point um, in Jesus' ministry. Probably 13 when he started. Three years later, he's about 16 years old. Pretty, pretty impressionable age, and to experience this. And there are certain things that John writes about here that I think are very important for us um, because they're obviously important to him. And so here he is, and he he spends a lot of time in this upper room with Jesus before the arrest. And I think um, there's some real gems here. And in uh, John chapter 15 we see some of them. So here it is. Verse one and two. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, think about this with me for just a moment. This is fairly obvious, but I think that we need to to unpack this just a little bit. First of all, um, there are a couple of, of players here. I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. And God, the Father, is the vine grower. He's the gardener, okay? And he does two things. First of all, he cuts off, or uh, the term can also be removes, he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, okay? Why? Well, because a vine grower, and all gardeners do this, they, they want to make sure that the plant is producing fruit here, and so they prune off those branches that don't have any fruit so that the energy of the plant goes into producing fruit. Does that make sense? Right. Okay, we, we know this. But the other side is also true. He, he prunes fruitful branches, cuts them back a little bit. Why? So they become more fruitful. So these two things that are going on here, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, and he prunes the ones that are fruitful. But here's the point, and this is the, you got to have a firm grasp of the obvious here, okay? Here's the point to the whole uh, metaphor that's going on. Here's what it is. The goal of the vine grower is to produce fruit, right? The whole point of the removing and pruning is to produce fruit. Don't miss that, because sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in the and this beautiful little metaphor that's going on in the story that Jesus is telling, but the, the bottom line here is God wants fruit. And so th- this is the process that he goes through. So let's keep reading. Here we go. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in in me Now, uh, we've set the scene. God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And he begins to explain what he's talking about here. And, and so he, he talks about this idea, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The word here in Greek is katharos. It's where we get the word cathartic. When something is cathartic, and you, you, I just had a cathartic moment, it cleans you out. It allows you to, to experience something else. It, it uh, shakes the cobwebs off, okay? That's what this word is. You have been already made clean by the word that I've spoken to you, meaning that they have heard what Jesus had to say, they believed what he had to say, and yet there seems to be something more. Now, you've been made clean because of word I've spoken to you, However, remain in me, as also I remain uh, in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but unless, again, remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So not only are you made clean, and sometimes I think as a church we stop there. You know, we believe in Jesus and we think that that's it. Mm-mm. No, that's the first step. The next step is to produce fruit, is to actually uh, remain in Jesus in order to produce some fruit. In some translations, remain uh, is, is um, uh, the word is abide, abide in me. And uh, the word is, uh, means to uh, uh, continue or to dwell. It's actually a very permanent kind of word. It's not something that's just one and done or a, just a short length of time, it is a continuing type of thing. Remain. Dwell in me. Live with me. Or maybe if we could put it kind of in modern language, stay in relationship. Stay in that relationship. Don't leave that relationship, if that makes sense. And, and I, I do think that sometimes we, we think the whole point of church and Christianity is belief, but it's not there's a, some, some outcomes that God desires for us. Belief leads to fruit. If we go back to the metaphor, belief is supposed to lead to fruit. We don't just believe for the sake of belief. Are you tracking with me? It's one thing to believe, and I think, I think you, you, you know, there's that first step that everybody has to take you, you know, to believe. But belief has a point to it. Belief is about producing fruit, about being the kind of people that God wants us to be. If, if you're a longtime church of God, you, you know this word. It's called sanctification. It's called holiness. It's about being like Jesus. And that fruit is the kind of thing that we want to bear. And I think that's really what the point of Christianity is about. And some people have heard me say this before. We tend to think in terms that um, being a follower of Jesus means we go to heaven. And I don't think, I mean, I think that that's part of it, but I don't think that's the whole story. If you're following Jesus and you're um, acting like Jesus and you're caring about the things of Jesus, guess what? Heaven takes care of itself. The point is, what are you doing here on earth with the life that you have? And I, I think that's what Jesus is very practical when it comes to that. So, verse 5, moving on. And Jesus finally gets to the thrust of this. I am the vine. Okay, we know that from before. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remember, God is the vine grower. Jesus is the vine. And then he adds this dimension that we are the branches. Branches... In the vine. Can you, can you imagine this? We I mean, can imagine this picture, right? You got the vine, and then you get the branches. It's those branches that produce the fruit. Now, verse six, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, this is a hard verse. This is a difficult one to understand. But I think we have to be very, very careful. And I've heard um, sermons myself on this, that there's this notion that when Jesus is talking here, he's talking about hell. I don't think that's true. I don't think this has anything to do with hell and damnation and all of that. I don't think it, it does. Rather, what, what I think Jesus is trying to convey is that being tossed into the fire is a consequence of not remaining in him. And, and, and what that is, what the point that he's trying to make is, you're useless in the kingdom of God. If you're going to be part of the kingdom, you are producing fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, you are useless. And the natural consequence in the garden is that you're, you're burned up. That's not the point that Jesus is trying to make about the burning. The point is, don't be useless. Be part of the vine that's actually producing something. Are, are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? You know, so don't get so wrapped up in kind of this, the over-spiritualization that, oh, he's talking about hell. That, that's, not, that's not the point at all. The point is, don't be useless in the kingdom. Produce fruit. Which is, I don't know, for me, it's much more motivating to think about that way. I don't want to be useless. I want to be useful in the kingdom. Now well, Let's go on to verse 7. If you remain in me... And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. (laughs) Okay, this is another very difficult verse. Uh, This has been misused quite a bit. Um, You probably know some, I hear some giggling. So I know know that this one gets uh, misused. I was going to say overused, but it's misused. If you remain in the vines and Jesus' words remain in you, then ask. Okay. Now keep this in mind. There's an order here. If you remain, if you stay connected, if you stay in relationship with Jesus and his words remain in you, his teaching, which we can summarize, love God, love people, right? He talks about that later on in the same chapter. But if if you remain in him, stay in relationship in his words, his teachings are flowing through you, then ask whatever you wish. Well, just because I'm a Christian, does that mean I can I can do whatever I want to do? When I was a kid, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a kid, uh, growing up in Michigan, uh, I lived uh, about three or four blocks from the school, and so I walked every single day. And uh, um, there was a group of us, we kind of pick each other, you know, we'd pick each other up as we went along. There's this one little boy. I don't even remember the little boy's name. But um, somebody, he was talking with somebody, and he said, he said to them, well, I can eat yellow snow because I'm a Christian. If you all don't know what yellow snow is, see me afterwards, okay? I know here in Oklahoma you may not know. No, I'm just kidding. But I just remember him saying that. Now, this is a little boy and you know, understanding. But I think that sometimes the attitude we have about being a Christian, well, I can ask whatever I want, and, and you know, because I'm a Christian, God's going to answer it. Mm, no, no, there's some conditions here. And the condition is that you remain in Jesus in relationship with him, and his teaching is flowing through you because his word is remaining in you. Then you can ask, why? This is a great question. Why? And, and I think... I think is because if you're remaining and the teaching is still in you, you are more prone to ask for uh, vine-growing, fruit-bearing things. Are you with me? The point is not to ask whatever I wish, but if I'm remaining in Jesus, I'm probably going to ask about Jesus' things. Does that make sense? So uh, the easiest way to get your prayers answered is find out what Jesus wants and pray that back to him. (laughs) a real simple formula. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I think this is a really important thing for us to remember is that once we're in relationship with Jesus and we're thinking along those lines, then we're going to ask about kingdom-oriented things, things that God wants to answer. Well, that's just kind of logical. But sometimes we misuse this verse to think, well, you know, I can ask for a car. Let me know how that works out for you, right? It really is more about asking for vine-growing, fruit-bearing things. It's not self-serving. It's a vine-oriented. And I think that's the point that Jesus is is driving at here. Now, verse 8 is becoming one of my favorite verses. Here it is. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit becoming my disciples. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Remember, we're operating on the premise that God actually wants us to produce something in our lives, some good things. But I love this idea of becoming my disciples. Discipleship, following Jesus, is a process. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. There are parts of my life that God has not yet sanctified. I'm not proud of that but there are are things that I don't get up here because I have all the answers, but rather I'm only here because I have some answers, but I'm still trying to figure this out too. Does that make sense? And I think it's really important for us to grasp onto this idea that if you don't get it right and you won't, that's the whole point of grace. Grace. And that God is with us and is a patient gardener, remember? And is allowing us to become his disciples. Some verses or some translations, it says, and so prove yourself as my disciples. But I think this is more accurate. I think it's more about becoming my disciples. And as you become more and more a disciple, you begin to produce more and more fruit. It's, it's one of those things that, uh, that follows this idea of growth. We get pruned and we begin to produce more fruit. We get pruned and we produce more fruit. It's the way this, this is, is, is working. It's process-oriented. The destination is to be like Jesus, but I'm not sure we ever really get there. At least not in this lifetime. Maybe, but I think it's, it's uh, highly unusual. But I love, love, love this idea of process. Because not that it gets me off the hook, but it it allows me to give myself some grace for when I screw up. And I know that I am, because I'm human. And so are you. And so this idea is that it's to my Father's glory that you bear fruit. Why? Because you're becoming his disciple. You're becoming more like Jesus. It's all process. It's all growth. All right, next verse. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Hmm. He explains this idea of remaining or abiding, remaining. And it comes down to one word, love. Love, remaining, or fruit, comes from remaining. But don't miss the fact that this is all about love. And the commands of Jesus are pretty simple. Love. Love God, love people. In fact, later on, uh, I think it's in um, John 16, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. People will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another, right? So this idea of love that's the idea of remaining. Remaining has to do with this idea of love. Those things are connected. It's this very great scene, and I think it's very helpful. Remaining produces fruit. Fruit comes from actually remaining in him. So now, here's my question. and This is where it gets rubber meets the road stuff. Great Bible verse. Well, well done, Pastor. We're glad that we, you know, exposited the scripture. But <laughs> here's my question. Because you know I like questions, right? Here's my question. How might we abide? How might, how might we remain? How might we remain in Jesus? How do we stay connected to God? How do we stay in relationship to Jesus on a continual, consistent sort of way? How do we do it daily? How do we do it hourly? How do we do it minute by minute? Because when you start thinking in those terms, it can get overwhelming. How do we do that? How do I remain? Because, you know what, I got bills to pay. I got kids, I gotta, I gotta drive around town. <laughs> I've got my own pressure, I've got my own relationships, i got the boss breathing down my neck, I've got this coworker at work that's driving me nuts. I've got this neighbor who keeps doing this stupid thing on his lawn, and I've got dogs doing their business in my yard. It happens. We get pulled in all kinds of different directions, and the next thing you know, God is the last person on your mind, and he finally enters the picture when your head hits the pillow at night, and you have no energy, and you end up giving God leftovers. How many of you have have, uh, been in that position where you're praying fall asleep and you kind of wake up and you feel guilty right we've all been there there's all these distractions in real life in real time it happens to everyone not just and I you can ask any one of our pastoral staff it happens to us too and this is our job we're supposed to be spiritual But let me tell you, (laughs) there's a lot in operating a church. There's a lot of projects that we're doing. And one of the hardest things to do is even for us to stay connected to God. That's just a reality. Because life happens. We have a a saying in our family, OBE, overtaken by events. (laughs) Best intentions are OBE, overtaken by events. And the next thing you know, you're like, okay, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. How do we stay connected to the branch? Hmm. How do we receive those nutrients? How are we trained by the grower? How do, we, um, how do we stay Because you can't live if you're disconnected. You can't live a faithful life if you're disconnected from the vine. We are grafted into the vine. We stay in the vine, and, and then we bear that fruit. But if you want to stay fruitful, you have to be connected. And I'm afraid that most Christians lose connection. Uh, lose connection. We fall off the vine and we're frustrated with our lack of fruit because we're, we become discouraged and, and, and busy and fearful and unfocused and, and just, just distracted. And so if we want to stay connected, we have to interrupt life to actually interrupt our distractedness if that's a word we have to interrupt the busyness somehow real life flows on and yet we have to interrupt that with something god-focused